Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Hi, David Aronovich here. This is part two of our three-part series, The Legacy of Penryn Castle. And I'm handing over to one of our producers, Brenna Daldorf. This is a series, so if you haven't yet, I'd recommend you go back and listen to episode one first. And before we start today, a warning. This podcast is about a grim part of our past that still affects our present, and this particular episode contains references to suicide. Hi, Brenna. Uh, My name is April Louise, and I'm 28. April Louise is an academic. Focused on education, particularly the role of Black British women graduates' identities. April Louise grew up in South London, and right at the start of episode one, you heard me meeting her in South Wales, in the Central Station in Cardiff. Hey, hello, how are you doing? After that, you heard historian Marion Gwynne telling the long and brutal history of a British family called the Pennants, who made their wealth in Jamaica. He was utterly convinced that there was nothing wrong with slavery. He denied that cruelty existed. This is where the two storylines intersect. Because April Louise's full name is April Louise Pennant. Yeah, Pennant. The Pennants owned six plantations in Jamaica. They were incredibly rich. You know, the equivalent of multimillionaires many times over. You're listening to Stories of Our Times from The Times and The Sunday Times. I'm Brenna Daldorf. Today, The Legacy of Penryn Castle, Part 2. Growing up, April Louise didn't know about the White family whose story affected her own family's story so deeply. She didn't really even know that much about her last name. So I was aware that my name had Welsh, my surname had Welsh origins. Um, and I was aware that Pennant isn't necessarily a very common name. But her name wasn't really something she thought a lot about. She felt confident in her identity. I am born and raised in London, South London to be precise. I am Nigerian and Jamaican. Jamaican by on my father's side. How did your family end up in the UK, specifically on your dad's side? My grandparents migrated to the UK. So they were part of the Windrush generation. 
Windrush generation refers to the thousands of people who came to the UK from the Caribbean in the 1950s and 60s. Many were recruited to help fill post-World War II labor shortages. The Windrush generation settled here, had children here, and became an integral part of modern Britain. The name comes from the MV Empire Windrush, one of the first ships that brought people over in 1948. Like, I just know definitely that they came in 1952 and that they've been in London. My grandpa's passed, but my grandma's still alive. She's been in London ever since. Always known that I am half Jamaican. However, as I said, Jamaica is just one aspect of my identity, which is merged with my Nigerian side, which I'm also very much aware of and very proud of. And if anything, I call myself a proud Black, British, Nijam or Jamjerian woman to embrace all three of um, those crucial identities and what makes me who I am. April Louise can't quite pinpoint when she became aware that some of her ancestors were enslaved. She feels like she may have always known. But she does remember sitting in history class in secondary school. That was one of the few places that you could hear about, like, other cultures or Black people. But it was very limited in terms of hearing about them via slavery and just in American contexts. And I just remember being quite angry and just not understanding how that actually was allowed to happen. One of my schools I went to was predominantly white. And I think the way it was taught wasn't necessarily with care because actually we should be thanking these enslaved ancestors, not only for surviving, but for contributing so much to make Britain so great. Why do you think it's important to you to know about your past and your ancestors? Like, why do you think it it intrigues you. I guess I've been influenced by shows like Who Do You Think You Are, where they trace family trees. I just think it's it's so crucial because it kind of, I guess, links in with my British identity. It just shows how interwoven other parts, I guess, of the Commonwealth are to the British Isles. And I guess just how much empire has played such a part of these connections. Because ultimately, I am here because in the words of Stuart Hall, we are here because you were there. You made a really interesting point earlier about how because you have this unusual surname and that there is information about it, it gives you some of the possibility that other people don't necessarily have um, yes. because so many histories were lost. Yes, this is it. And I, But at the same time, it only takes you back to Wales, also Jamaica. But there was a history and a life before that. These are things that we were robbed of, right? Like part of slavery was to strip us of our culture, our identity, our history, right? But I think it's so important to have a sense of understanding of, of you know, who you are. Finding out about her roots has always been really important to April Louise. But fast forward to 2019, her life was about to change. Okay, so (laughs) why I'm in Wales, it's funny because I always said that I didn't choose Wales, Wales chose me. She had applied to a graduate scheme through the UK government. They offered me a job in the Welsh government. At first I was like, hmm, Wales, like 
even though I knew it was at the back of my mind, even though I knew I had some kind of connection to Wells, it had never really been a place where I would actively move to. Even though it's a wonderful place, it's just, you know, I'm from London. And I thought, Wells. But she kept thinking about the job offer and she started thinking about her last name, wondering if it was a sign. It's always been in the back of my mind. I've always wanted to explore this part of my identity, particularly my ancestral connection to Wells. So when I was offered this job, maybe this is the time. So April Louise moved to Cardiff and got really busy with her new job with the Welsh government. The little connections to her history kept popping up, like with her manager. He is actually, you know, from a mining community in North Wales. And he's like, Pennant, your last name is Pennant? She explains that it probably came from the family who owned her ancestors. And he goes, well, I know about the Pennants because they ran slate mines in North Wales. He tells her that in mining communities, there's still a lot of anger towards that family. So she's gathering these bits of information. But then there's also like a global pandemic. So she kind of sets these wonderings aside until one day she gets an email from me. More specifically, I had emailed a group that April Louise was part of, the North Wales Jamaica Society, a charity that focuses on the connections between the two countries. And then I believe that, Brenna, you sent a message reaching out to that group about if anyone was interested in being interviewed. And I was like, oh, wow, like now's my chance. After doing that first interview about Penryn Castle, the one you heard last episode with David Aronovich and historian Marion Gwynn, I wanted to tell the other side of the story. So I was trying to find a descendant of the enslaved to tell me their story and how this legacy had affected them. So I messaged Ben. I was like, yeah, I'm interested. So one thing led to another. And in June, April Louise and I met in Cardiff's train station, bound for the city of Bangor and Penryn Castle in North Wales. And like I said before, I can't wait to see what my ancestors did because even though it was forced, that has contributed so much to not only the Pennant family, but the, the local community, as well as the whole of Wales and Britain. Maybe that will help with the healing as well. And so that's how we found ourselves on a train together. Oh yeah, and we had one other person joining us who got on the train at a later stop. Does your dad have a shaved head? Yeah. I think I oh, see we can it. see you, Dad. Gil Pennant, April Louise's dad. Where's your face? No, I'm just saying that I think the last time I saw you like face to face was like Christmas. Yeah, yeah, I know. Even in your video, but like. Yeah, we speak every day, but obviously. Yeah, yeah, it's different. Yeah. The three of us settled into our seats. On one side of us, the land began to curl into hills. On the other, the sea stretched out before us. We were on our way. The next morning, Gil, April Louise, and I met with a familiar friend. My name's Marianne Gwynn. We sat together in a hotel room while Marianne gave April Louise and her dad a whirlwind tour of the penance, basically what you heard last episode. But this was the first time they were hearing it. How Gifford Pennant came to Jamaica as a soldier as early as 1656 and took advantage of land grants there. Very canny man, and he ends up owning something like 18 times 
the average land ownership in Jamaica. And how Gifford's land was worked by enslaved people. How Gifford's son Edward became Chief Justice of Jamaica. And so he becomes very, very big and powerful indeed. At a time when a system of brutal slave codes governed the lives of enslaved people in Jamaica. How the white penance left Jamaica. If you had enough money, what you did, you got agents to manage your estates when you came back to live the high life in Britain. And that's what the penance did. How the penance continued to run their Jamaica plantations from their new base in the UK, where the money bought them power and status. It just shows the impact that that slave money was having in Britain, that you could go into the highest levels of British society. And how this money from the plantations enabled one man named Richard Pennant to become one of the biggest businessmen in the UK and one of the biggest landowners in Wales. It also enabled him to buy Penryn Estate and start building a castle there. And that contrast to how my enslaved ancestors would have um, been experiencing. The money made by these tens of thousands of British slave owners fed into all parts of the economy. In the case of the penance, after they left Jamaica and bought land in this part of Wales, a lot of their slaving money went into this community. But we'll find out more about that later. For now, we spent a moment thinking about those enslaved on the plantations. My God, you've got strong ancestors, you know. <laughs> it's the journey they had to go f- through for you to be you here today. For one thing, where they were captured and the journey to the ports, to the coastal trading areas was extreme. That could be for days, weeks, months. So all the time you've been held captive. Mm. Then you've got the Middle Passage, and then what was called seasoning to try to break their strength, their spirit. Sometimes you'd be held in isolation. Sometimes it would be extreme beatings. Basically, by the time your ancestors got to work on a plantation, what they would have enjoyed would have been beyond anything I could even imagine. It would have been horrific. Sounds like it. Wow. We were about to find out more about the actual people who were enslaved on the Pennant plantations, who endured all of this. We were going to see the Pennant's Jamaica papers, which offer us the only glimpse we have of these lives. We'll do that after the break. Hi, I'm Emily Dugan, social affairs correspondent at the Sunday Times. It's you, listeners and subscribers, who enable me to investigate. Get to the heart of the stories that matter every day with The Times and The Sunday Times. If you subscribe today, you can enjoy one month free. Visit thetimes.co.uk forward slash stories of our times. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Wow, this is like a cathedral almost. It's love, I know. And this is where they have the post-graduation parties and that, you know. It's got a lovely feel. Yeah. The main building of Bangor University is Regal. Seagulls swoop around, their calls echoing in the courtyard. We're here because this is where the penance papers are stored. The papers that give us the only window we have into the lives of the people enslaved on their plantations. So we're in the library, which is a bigger space for us to move around anyway. So, um, That's Ellen Simpson, the lead archivist at Bangor University, and our guide for the papers. It's really a pleasure to meet you. To get to the library, we have to cross the courtyard. Will you be able to stay? Because I know they yes, have questions I'm a, for you. I'm with you all Brilliant. afternoon if you want me. Oh, who is this? Is this like a baby seagull? Yes, yes. Hi, guy. We leave the baby seagull sitting on the steps and walk into the big room. Because of COVID restrictions, the windows are thrown wide open and the eerie calls of baby seagull's relatives echo around the room. The Penance donated their papers to the archives in the 1930s. The collection covers hundreds of years of their history. And about 530 of these documents refer to the plantations they owned in Jamaica. The, the Jamaica series is so special. It's a funny thing to say, but they have the wow factor. They do move you when you look at them and read them. Our eyes are immediately drawn to the tables where Ellen has spread out a series of documents. Selections from the Jamaica Papers. Each one offers us a tiny snapshot into what was happening on the plantations, how they were run. So this document here um, is entitled Diary of Transactions on Thomas River Copious Estates in Jamaica for 1808. The writing is very small and fine and I need really a magnifying glass to read it. And then you've got the numbers in sort of tabulated format underneath. All very nice and quite clinical, the way they've noted all the numbers. Turn it aside, I can see the numbers. Who who would have written this? Would it have been the agents who were managing? 
Yes, yes. Because Richard and John Pennant were so micromanagers, they mm. wanted to know exact details. You'd find that they're recorded per day who was working, who was not working. Because if he's paying for them, he wants to know who's working, where they're working. So it's like an accounts book, mm. you know? Mm. So what, what does this mean, Penny, in 43? We move on to another document set carefully on the table next to the others. Is this like some of the enslaved? Yeah. Oh. So this is a list of the slaves in the Pennant Estate in 1812. In these columns, you've got the names and their occupation listed alongside them. There are pages of names. This one is slightly different. Um, It's hard to hear, but Gil, April Louise's dad, asked if the owners chose names for their enslaved workers. It always used to be thought that it was the the slave masters who chose the names. But work being done now actually suggests that about 70% of the names were actually chosen by the enslaved themselves for their, for their, their children. So, as well as listing the names of the slaves, you've got information here to whether they've lost any slaves and quite often they'll give you some details to how they died. Mm. So I think this entry says Aya, A-Y-A-H, that's the name of the slave, Aya killed by Wayne, W-A-I-N. That is, I mean, Wayne is usually, that's a haymaking thing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, Do it like a a cart. Mm. So maybe she got run over by a cart, poor thing. Mm. Yeah, gosh. Other entries that looks like Cuckoo died of dirt eating. Was that something? Yes. What does that mean? It's a form of resistance, and they they wanted to kill themselves. Question. So it says runaways here. There's one. Hmm. So someone had. So they're just citing who they've lost, I guess. Yes. Runaways, one. So he has to be accounted for. And the agent can't tell Lord Penryn what condition he's in because he's run away. Okay. That's wild. So like someone that maybe couldn't take it no more at all and did something about it. I wonder where they ran away to. He's called Mingo. He's 21. He's a catman. So Mingo ran away Mm. and he was 21. Jeez. Don't you just wonder what he looked like or... Then Marion picked up one of the lists and signaled for April Louise, Gill, and I to draw close. What we have here, and I'm reading the title here now, List of Slaves on Penance Estate, the 31st of December, 1812. And on this list, we've got over 130 named enslaved workers. And if we have a look down here on number 109, we see E. Pennant waiting boy and it is believed that the family of as was black pennants descend from e pennant now it could be that e pennant could be the founder of that family and so e pennant the child listed as a waiting boy could be Gil and April Louise's direct ancestor, the first black pennant on record. There's a single heartbeat of stillness. 
So what more can you tell us about that person? Yeah. As he's a waiting boy, and by the fact that he has a surname, that indicates to me that he is actually in the great house itself. And by the fact that he's been given the name of Pennant indicates that there's a kind of ring of security around him. But it could be that he is the child of a Pennant. I'm speechless in terms of... It's, it's interesting that I read all the names before and I never really saw it until you guys just picked it out. I'm still processing. What's the E stand for? Do you know? Probably not. We believe it stands for Edward. So he was named maybe after? Edward Pennant. It's too late for the Edward Pennant who we know of, but of course you get family names coming down the, the line. There's another clue that also makes Marion suspect that E. Pennant, Edward Pennant, might have had a white pennant for a father. On another one of the Pennant's plantations, there is, again, only one enslaved child listed with a last name. And that child has the name of one of the agents who worked for the Pennant's. It suggests that perhaps it's more than just favoritism, that there's perhaps a family connection there. So he was a waiting boy, which would mean that, like a, a waiter, essentially, like... Um, a houseboy. And then maybe when he got older, he would have been helping in the house, the equivalent of a footman or a butler or, or something like that. The closer you were to the house, it was expected that you would be trustworthy, and there was usually because they were mixed race. Mm. So do we have more records about E. Pennant? Marion shakes her head. That's basically the only mention of Edward. That's a shame. So talk us through your understanding of Edward Pennant to present day. Tell us how you think it progressed, so his children and so forth. Yeah, this is from having spoken to so many different people. And I've spoken to black people who share your surname mm. in Jamaica and Pennants who live in Florida and Philadelphia and Pennants in Britain. So from that, what I have been told is that the Pennant surname is rare and it wasn't something that was given or adopted by the former enslaved people, because otherwise there'd be loads of them. So we gaze at E. Pennant's name, wondering about his story, about his life. Then we read the other names, wondering about each of them in turn. So I'm looking at the document of the list of slaves on Pennant's estate, this 31st of December, 1812. And there's well over on this first page, 132 people. And some of the names that I can see, there's Fanny, I can see Hector, Bella, I see Cuba, Leah, Joan. I have an auntie called Joan. Mm. Millie. Keep, keep reading the name. It's the first time I've heard names of slaves. So this gives humanity to those names. Are you guys wondering who you might be related to on that list? I feel like that's what I might wonder. Well, this is family. All these yeah. people are family. They're somebody's fathers, daughters, sisters, mm. and brothers. They're real people. Emma, George, is there? You've got an uncle called George. Jeffrey, Tony, Anna with Tony, Hannah, Daphne, Hagen, Nina, Big Chloe. 
Yeah, so first, do you guys just want to describe the spot we're at right now? Dad? Sitting on the pier uh, by the uh, hotel, looking over at the sea. A nice breeze. What are your feelings right now after this first day? I feel like a bit heavy because, you know, one of the things I said was the importance of saying their names and the importance of honouring and recognising that, like my dad said, these were people, they were human, even though they were viewed as property and treated as such. They had thoughts and feelings. They felt pain. And, you know, someone hundreds of miles away getting rich off their blood, sweat and tears. That's quite heavy. So, I don't know, it's a bit like if I heard my dad had been, like, when he was younger and stuff, he'd been bullied and kicked and beaten and mistreated. And then you're learning of that trauma. And, like, yes, the person that did it is no longer here, but obviously it's impacted my dad and subconsciously may have impacted me as well. It has such a significant impact on why I am the way I am now and why I, I live where I live or where I was born and the language that I speak. Though many times, you know, it's almost as if, like, what are these black people doing here? Well, it, we're so interwoven to the the fabric of the whole of Britain, but particularly this area in Bangor. It just provided a bit more clarity, and with that comes a lot of pain. Charles, Shadwell, Kate, Eliza, Pompey, Romeo, Johnson, Humphrey. That night we fell asleep thinking about the names, the lives of the enslaved, of Gil and April Louise's ancestors. But much more awaited us. Tomorrow we find out how the money from slavery went into the local community and how people in the area see Penryn Castle. Then we go to the castle, where Gil and April Louise make an important request. Obviously nothing can ever change what has happened, but I would like to see for myself something which I could take my future children to see. I can see Monday, Lucy, Peggy, imagine, Penny, Dorinda, Julia, Nanny, Olive, or Nancy, Charity, My Lady, May, Venus, Stephen, Ned, Phyllis, Jason, Hector, Anthony, Johnny, Henry, Cupid, Polly. You've been listening to The Legacy of Penryn Castle, a special series by Stories of Our Times. This series was produced and reported by me, Brenna Daldorf. The executive producer was Poppy Damon. Special editing assistance was provided by Rosie Collier. Sound design was by David Crackles. Many thanks to guests April Louise Pennant, Gil Pennant, Marion Gwynn, and Ellen Simpson of the Bangor University Archives. See you tomorrow. Sally, Benny, Priscilla, Elizabeth.
Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Want truly hydrated skin? Meet Osea's Body Care Breakthrough, Hyaluronic Body Serum. It's clinically proven to increase hydration by 161%. It's lightweight, fast-absorbing, and delivers 24 hours of hydration for silky smooth skin without any sticky afterfeel. Treat your skin to clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order with code SUMMER at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com code SUMMER.